Welcome to another episode of In Reserve, the Prosperity Podcast, where we focus on all things to do with the Reserve Protocol stablecoin. My name is Michael, and I'll be your host. Are you ready? Let's get started. First, a word from our sponsors, Recursive and Joe and Kit. Recursive connects applications so your critical data is available exactly where you need it. They can sync any apps in the cloud or hosted on your site, making your data more useful and visible to your teams. Visit recursive.com for more details. That's R-E-C-U-R-S-Y-V.com, recursive, data where you want it. Mention the podcast or RSR for 20% off your subscription. Also, if you're an entrepreneur or small business looking to outsource your bookkeeping or need help understanding your financial situation, Joe and Kit has just the solution for you. They provide a wide range of services from bookkeeping to tax advice for businesses and crypto to financial analysis to implementing business operating systems such as EOS and Lean Six Sigma. Visit joeandkit.com today, J-O-E-A-N-D-K-I-T.com and mention the podcast for your first month free. On this episode of the podcast, we've got a rising star in the reserve community, an individual who founded the RSR Ranger daily activities and interacts a ton on the Discord and Twitter. Tim Z Footballer, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How are you, Michael? Not too bad. Thank you. Just a little briefer on what this podcast is about for those of you guys new here. I started it in hopes to build community as well as help people and myself learn and understand the project more. And part of community building was getting to know some of the bigger members of the reserve space better and getting to know them a bit outside of crypto. So with that in mind, I think a great starting point would be getting to know you better. If you would like to give the listeners just a super quick introduction about yourself for those who don't already know you, and then we can kind of go from there. Yeah, so my name's Tim or Tim Z Footballer on Twitter and Discord. Um, I've been a part of the reserve community uh, since probably about August of last year um about then uh prior to that i you know i just work as a car rental manager so i just rent cars in vegas here and um yeah not a whole lot of background in finance or anything like that just uh yeah that's uh the quick intro (laughs) awesome no no we're definitely touching to a lot of that stuff um, as we move on throughout this podcast um, so just a little quick question about, uh, about you in terms of where you are in Vegas. Uh, when, when I think about Vegas, and I'm sure when a lot of people think about Vegas, they think about the strip, but there's also so much of the actual residential city. Uh, whereabouts in Vegas are you and how close are you to the strip? So I live in like the southwest corner of Vegas. So it's probably about 15 or 20 minutes away from the strip. And uh, the strip is actually where I work. So I commute there every day. But uh, where I live is, you know, it's not like the lights and the gambling and all that. But, you know, it's just kind of like a little suburban neighborhood. And I think the only real difference uh, from our neighborhood, from, you know, most neighborhoods that you would notice is if you go into like a 7-Eleven or gas station, you might see a slot machine or two in there and a couple of uh, people in there actually using them, playing them. So <laughs> you got to love the uh, the Vegas gambling. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you always been in Vegas? No, no. I've only 
actually only lived here about five or six years now. Uh, prior to that, I lived in LA for a while. I uh, was going to school and um, I was probably there for about six years as well. And prior to that, I was uh, down in San Diego where I was stationed for the military. And um, so just been moving around ever since. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, you're still on the West Coast. Uh, I guess you've San Diego slowly moved uh, up to, to LA and then kind of sideways to, to Las Vegas. And I guess you see yourself in Las Vegas for, uh, for the indefinite future, at least for the next little bit. Yeah, actually, recently, um, my fiance and I, you know, we kind of got a little inspiration from Fuzzy and we're like, man, that RV life is starting to look pretty good. So we might, uh, we, we're trying to get some things in the works, but yeah, Vegas as of right now is where we're going to be. But, you know, once we secure that RV or whatever we want to do from here, it's uh, the world, the world is going to be our living place. <laughs> that's, that's actually incredible because uh, for those of you guys who've been listening from the very beginning, Fuzzy, uh, Fuzzy Snoot uh, was my first guest on the pod. And that's where he talked about how he wanted to, or he was in the midst of renovating an RV. It was going to, he actually had just purchased the RV. Uh, it, we had to reschedule the podcast because his RV broke down as he purchased it. And he was, um, I think he was taking, uh, he was doing the podcast in like the parking lot of a Walmart or something like that. Um, <laughs> and then he had it all renovated um, and then decided to start doing his trek across the U.S. Um, and I'm assuming that's probably what you want to do as well. Just kind of travel around the U.S. in your RV. Yeah. So the, the idea actually came into my mind when a couple of guys from up where you're from Vancouver um, did like some YouTube videos where they came down and uh, toured the U S for, I think two and a half, three months. And, you know, they put out a YouTube video every day and it was just, it, it, they, they kind of gave me like a different view into the United States and everything it had to offer. And, you know, so that's kind of what like planted the seed, but then, you know, you know, seeing fuzzy do what he's doing and how he's managed to do it with, you know, his passive income and all that through crypto is kind of like, Oh, this is, this is an option for me. I don't have to wake up and go to work every single day. Like I can create something here and live a more free and enjoyable life. <laughs> Uh, is, do you have like, because uh, for me, I wouldn't be able to do that because of just, um, I guess, my need for some stability, um, which which I think a lot of people can probably relate to, um, just basically kind of knowing where you're going to be next week, where you're going to be a month from now, where you're going to store your belongings, just having roots in the ground. Um, is that something that, that ever comes to mind for you in terms of, hey, if we just pack up everything and go, or are you going to still theoretically keep your house in Las Vegas and then kind of travel? Because I know for Fuzzy, he like sold his house and sold most of his possessions and just said, screw it and just left. Yeah. So I, for me, I, I'm, I'm sure that might be a little more challenging for my fiance, but you know, I was in the military from 2007 to 2011 and kind of you know, that, that was only a short period of time in the grand scheme of my life, but, you know, it, it's such an extreme part of my life that it had such a big influence on me. So basically since 2007, I've probably moved from, you know, at least one house or apartment to another on average about every year and a half. So, you know, that whole having that set home thing isn't really that important to me, but having like that freedom to, you know, explore and all that, uh, that, that, that's, what's more attractive to me. You know, I, you know, the past year since uh, 
we've reopened from the pandemic, I, I've worked almost every single day, um, minus a couple weekends here and there. And, you know, I, I haven't gotten a chance to go back and visit family or anything. So, you know, being able to find, you know, figure out the passive income thing, figure out the RV and being able to travel freely, that's way more attractive to me personally than uh, the stability. And, you know, I, in, in my mind, I've got friends and family all over the U.S. and even a few up in Canada. So any one of them I, I know would let me just kind of park out in front of their house and just kind of chill there for a month if I, you know, if I really wanted that like familiar feeling uh, of, of home and, you know, that kind of community. Oh, for sure. And I'm sure you've got tons of rangers that are listening to this who wouldn't <laughs> mind getting to meet you and also letting you kind of come in for a meal and just stay outside and whatever. So um, definitely, if you ever make the trip up to Vancouver, uh, give me give me a shout. Um, I'd be more than happy to to meet up and and and, and let you use my washroom, shower, whatever. Um, I appreciate that. Uh, what is the uh, the YouTube series? Uh, you had mentioned that that there was a YouTube series uh, of a couple guys from Vancouver who did this. Yeah. Uh, so they're called a uh, high on life. Um, so the, the main guy that I, I had actually talked to and I, I, you know, I was able to text with him and all that the whole time they were down here. Um, his name is Parker Huser. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but um, yeah, it, it was incredible to watch those guys like kind of do that. And they had like a pretty successful YouTube channel before that, but it seems like, at least from my perspective, it seemed like that trip is what really, kind of skyrocketed them. Um, they're not as active now. They actually had like a really unfortunate accident where um, a couple of their friends died and it, it slowed down the content quite a bit. And obviously they're older now because that was, um, they came through the US probably about six or seven years ago. So, you know, obviously they're a little bit older in, in relationships. So I, I don't know if they're as active anymore, but uh, I still go back and watch their videos because they're, you know, they just had fun. They just didn't really have much of a schedule outside of like their filming and editing schedule and trying to get that content out. But um, yeah, they, I, their videos were incredible to watch. You, you see like a completely different side of the US and, you know, everything it has to offer when you watch them. Yeah, that's fantastic. I will definitely go back and, and check them out. Um, it's actually interesting because recently uh, my fiance found, uh, I guess, this series. I can't remember. Oh, man, I can't remember what it's called. Um, but it, it starred Ewan McGregor, who was uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi from mm -hmm. like, the first Star Wars <laughs> movies. And yeah. he, him and a friend decided to uh, motorcycle around the world. Um, and so oh, this, wow. this series just follows them and they're going through like rural Russia and Mongolia and just the problems and struggles they come across, but it's, it's, it gives you a real good perspective of, of what they got to see and just the different places in the world and, and things that we don't normally think about. Right. So I think that that trip would be very cool. Although I would have that anxiety of not having my roots in the ground, which would be a yeah. great transition actually to talk about your time in the military. So you mentioned that you probably don't uh, necessarily feel that as much as your fiance does because, uh, you had spent the the four or five years in the military. Um, first off, I want to say, even though I am Canadian, thank you for your service. Um, the United States being the the biggest world power and and kind of the the protector of everybody who believes in freedom and democracy. Uh, obviously, Canada sees the U.S. as as one of their biggest allies, as well as somebody who is there to defend for them. And mm -hmm. and you were a part of that for for five years, four or five years. So so I want to thank you for that and thank you for your service. Um, what inspired you to get into the military and, uh, and what did you do when you were there? 
So it was, you know, kind of a slow burn. Um, you know, I was in seventh grade when 9-11 happened and it was, it was kind of a weird moment for me. I, I remember being in class and just kind of watching it all unfold because they just had it on the TV. I, I was fortunate enough to be in study hall or unfortunate enough, whichever way you want to look at it. And so we just kind of had it on the TV and I'm watching it. And, you know, I, I lived in the Midwest and I, if I remember correctly, it's only about a four hour drive to New York. But I remember having the thought that I wish I could go do something like I, and I was in seventh grade, you know, I was just a kid, but I had this thought of like, I wish there was something to do, like I could do to help and support this. So, it, you know, I had like this grander thought of like community for the country and wanting to help. And this was obviously prior to knowing like it was a, a, a terrorist attack or anything like that you know we're sitting in class thinking like oh the, like something happened maybe the pilot passed out or something weird um and you know so that kind of stuck with me and then you know as i'm going through high school i'm like i'm not having the best grades <laughs> per se so like i kind of i wanted to go to college but at the same time i had a very realistic view of if I go to college and I start going to for something that I like, I don't even know what I want to do or what I want to be. It's going to be a complete and total waste of money. So grades aren't great. Uh, my parents could maybe afford to send me to like a community college, which, you know, in, in my mind, like if I wanted to go to college, I wanted to get away. Um, so that the whole idea of going to college kind of started to fall to the back burner. And then I had a couple of friends that were going into the army and they were kind of telling me about that. And I was like, you know what, I can maybe do that. And then my senior year, I started playing soccer and I really got into the best shape of my life. And then uh, the idea of like, Oh, okay. Physically, I now know I could withstand, you know, going into the military. Like that's not a big deal. So I actually, you know, I went and met with my buddy's army recruiter and talked to him for a while and talking with him, like I wasn't really interested in the army because, you know, you get given a job in the army, but it's not your priority. Like you're a soldier first and then like whatever your job was, like that's kind of secondary. And then um, my uncle was in the Navy. So like I was able to pick his brain a little bit and be like, hey, you know, what's the Navy life like? And he just gave me kind of like the nitty gritty of it. And he's like, you know, if you think that's what you want to do, you know, like go talk to a recruiter, you know, ask him a lot of questions and, you know, you can come back to me and ask me if it's what he's saying is true. Cause sometimes there's like some shady business with recruiters. <laughs> and so um, I went and talked to a recruiter and um, you know, I took like, you have to do like an SAT test before you like really pick a job or really do anything official and I scored pretty highly and the guy was like yeah you can do whatever job you want with your score and I'm like first off that was mind-blowing to me because I just got done graduating from high school with a 1.7 GPA 17th from the bottom of my class and I'm like okay all right maybe I'm not as dumb as uh, my education system might imply so you know that kind of you know put a little pep in my stuff I'm like okay this might actually be a good fit for me and then remember talking to my uncle again. I'm like, Hey, this is what he said. And he's like, Oh, all right. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. And so, um, you know, in, in high school, I was, uh, I was big into skateboarding, skateboarded with all my friends. And one of the things we talked about was, you know, getting out of our little town and moving out West and all of that. And I was like, 
all right, you know, this might actually become a reality for me. So, um, yeah, I ended up joining the military. It, it all kind of lined up for me. And um, initially, I wanted to go in as a Navy SEAL. But after meeting a couple Navy SEALs that were like entering the same time as me, I realized like our mindsets were a lot different. Like these guys like going into boot camp were like ready to die for their country. And meanwhile, I was kind of like, I kind of just want to live on the West Coast and get a paycheck. And, you know, I want to, I want to, you know, I want to support the country. I don't necessarily want to die for my country. Uh, you know, if I don't have to, <laughs> so um, I, I dropped out of SEALs and then I became a, a sonar technician. So basically I did like undersea warfare and looking for submarines and all that. And uh, it, it was, uh, it was a pretty good time. You know, I got to go to school in San Diego and do all that. And then uh, moved to uh, Northeast United States to do what's called a pre-commission for a ship. So a ship that was brand new built, I got to help, uh, you know, test everything, you know, along with all my other crewmates and sail it around to our final home port of San Diego. And, you know, it was an incredible experience, uh, you know, one being on like a brand new ship, you know, it's never seen battle or anything like that. And uh, eventually I, I actually got to take it out on its first deployment um, to Southeast Asia. So it was, you know, overall an incredible experience. And, you know, one of the things that shape me in terms of uh creating that flexibility in my life you know always we used to say uh you know for like the marines they say like semper fi i think it's short for semper fidelis you know in latin and um means like always courageous or something along those lines all, all the different branches have their own i kind of mix them up but you know when we were in the navy we used to always say semper gumby gumby you know is the this claymation character from way back when that was all flexible and all of that so you know we just always say like always flexible you know no matter what because you know things pop up you know you're in the middle of the ocean so you got to be able to fix things on the fly and figure out you know critical problems because you know, you're in the middle of the ocean nobody nobody else is coming out to save you it's it's you it's all it all falls on you so that that whole experience I think prepared me for like a much more freer life than uh what i'm currently living so yeah no that's uh that's definitely a a lot to to unwrap there um it's great that uh you were inspired by by 9 11 um and it's it's really cool uh it was i, I was actually roughly around your age when 9 11 happened as well i was in grade six um and the first my first thought was uh, it's actually interesting i was listening to the radio uh, in the morning um, on the West coast. So we were a bit behind and everything had already happened. Um, and I, I was just visualizing it in my head. And then I kind of came downstairs for, for breakfast. Uh, and I remember my dad saying that, that basically this was a huge deal and that when they find out whoever did it, there's going to be retaliation. And I essentially spent the next like week, I guess not even a week, but like the next couple of days at school before they really found out and, and it kind of announced who they thought had done it. Um, hoping that it wasn't somebody Canadian because I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to like live in some war torn country or something like that. So like my, my mind, obviously being in grade six, I think I was 11 years old at the time, um, was, uh, was, was definitely not, not correct. Um, but it's really cool that, that you were at that age and very inspired and that, um, and then it was funny that, that you talked about the school system and how you had a 1.7 GPA, but scored very well on the SAT. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of 
just a lot of debate lately, especially about how old the school system is and how it needs to be reformed and and, and how we're not teaching the right things to kids and we're not evaluating the right ways um, in the school system. And obviously it's very difficult to have uh, a system that fits everybody's needs, right? Um, you're mm-hmm. gonna find that regardless of what you look at, regardless if it's healthcare, education, basically anything, it's, it's basically impossible to have one giant system that's gonna fit everybody that's publicly funded. So, uh, so it's really cool that you were still given these opportunities even though you didn't do as well in high school. Um, very awesome that you became a, uh, a technician on, on ships and, and got to actually travel in them. Um, how was that experience? I actually want to know, um, how was it traveling on a ship? It was like a military ship. <laughs> it, was, it was interesting. You know, it's not, it, it's, it's interesting because you still have a job to do. You know, it's not like it, it, I haven't gone on a cruise, like a carnival cruise, whatever they're called. But I, I imagine it, it has similarities. But, you know, so when you pull into a port, you still have, you know, we had like what's called duty sections. So essentially like a third or fourth of the ship has to stay on the ship at all times. You know, they got to take care of the day to day and make sure everything's looked over and everything. So it, it was a, it was fun. Like when you pulled into a port, like you're trying to do the math of like, all right, I'm section one. So I'm going to, I'm going to have to work the first day, which kind of works out because it's only really a half day, but the next two or three days we're here. Like I'm free to kind of go out and explore the city and get a hotel and all that. And so it, it was a lot of fun, um, you know, being, you know, a lot of the stereotypes for the Navy guys, the sailors are true, you know, like we go, go out and get very, very hammered. And um, which it's crazy to think about now because I don't drink at all. Like I, I gave up drinking almost four years ago, <laughs> but you know, my time in the Navy, that's, you know, that's all we had. Um, so traveling was great. You know, it was, it was kind of like having a really good friend that, you know, plans everything is just like, Hey, we're going here. And you're like, all right, I guess we're going here. And then I'll try and figure out a hotel or something. So, you know, um, you know, I got the first taste of it, you know, when we brought the ship around from the Northeast and we stopped in like Virginia and Florida, and then we got to go through, um, the Panama canal and stopped in Panama, um, a little Island called Bocas del Toro. Um, so that was fun. And then, um, you know, when we did the actual deployment, it it was kind of crazy because there, there, you know, there's a few hundred people on my ship and we're all told like, oh, we have to do all these things to be like ready to go on deployment. So we have to get like a bunch of vaccines, like vaccines you hadn't even heard of. Like I was just talking to my buddy the other day. He's like, do you remember we had to get an anthrax vaccine? And I was like, no, I didn't even know an anthrax vaccine existed. And it, it was kind of wild to think about, you know, some of the things that we had to do. But one of the things I still laugh about is we were supposed to get a passport before we went overseas, like Southeast Asia. And it was just one thing, like I just kept putting off and putting off and putting off and I just never did it. And the, the whole point of it was just if, you know, something were to happen, we were to get in trouble, like, you know, we had like an official, you know, ID, for the world, not just my military ID. And, uh, you know, you could use that to kind of get yourself out of situations or whatever. And so it was like interesting, I got to travel to, you know, 
all the places we traveled to without a passport and um you know the first place we got to pull into was uh south korea and this was after being underway like out at sea for like uh, i think it was about two months of like no land nothing just constantly rocking on the ship and um you know we have we have internet on the ship it, it's really bad it's really slow but with that, we were able to um, contact the you know South Korean military and where we were pulling in and talk to them. And be like, hey, you know, we got some guys on here that play soccer. Like, do you guys have anybody that would be interested in playing? So we were able to like coordinate this uh, you know basically international soccer game <laughs> with the uh, South Korean military. And uh, so it was kind of fun. The first day we pull in, um, you know, we went and met with them, picked a field and everything. And then the very next day, you know, we're all lacing up and getting on the field. And we realize uh, a lot of us are still wobbly from being on the ship for two months. <laughs> so we're trying to run and play this soccer game. And it, I mean, it was fun. It was a good time. It was, you know, it, it was interesting to see like the sport of soccer kind of connect us all you know, across the globe, even though none of us spoke the same language <laughs> and um it, it, it was you know a good time and after that you know they connected us with a couple other bases that they had talked to in asia there so we pulled into japan and thailand and cambodia you know we were able to set up a similar thing and you know part of you know part of the reason why the u.s deploys is to build relationships and maintain positive relationships with these other countries and these other militaries. So, you know, without knowing it, you know, we're out there <laughs> like helping the government. And, you know, our captain was all proud. Like, he's like, I, I helped facilitate that, right? We're like, yeah, take all the credit. We just wanted to play soccer. Like, so <laughs> it, it's kind of crazy. He actually got, he, he he's promoted pretty far up in the military right now. Um, so I don't know if I really had a hand in it, but it all traces back it all traces back to the <laughs> soccer games right yes exactly exactly that's <laughs> funny, the whole you, reason you can now tell people that you represented the u.s in some type of sporting event <laughs> there's there's clint dempsey landon donovan and you yeah exactly. <laughs> representing exactly. us on the soccer scale <laughs> that's insane though two months out out at sea just on a on a rocking boat uh, I'm sure there are probably some people, I'm actually not too sure, actually, uh, if some people got seasick, uh, I'm sure that probably was a regular occurrence. Uh, that must have been a, a completely different experience. I, I couldn't even imagine uh, not being able to, uh, to, to get off the boat for, for two months straight and how, I don't, I don't know if claustrophobic is the word for it, but how that would have made me feel. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I I mean I was definitely one of the people that got seasick and it's just kind of one of the things that you learn to persevere through and manage, you know. But I I don't think claustrophobia, at least not for me, really came into play because when you go topside of the ship and you just look around everywhere and you just see the vastness of the ocean, like every which way you look is just blue nothing else is in in sight you don't see birds you don't see yeah you really see nothing it's just blue but you know with that you know for some people that might be something they struggle with like seeing absolutely nothing except for the ship and the same few hundred people every day but you know if you went topside at night you know in the middle of the ocean there, there's no lights or anything and you just look up at the stars and there is nothing blocking the view. And it like that view is 
absolutely stunning. Like it's incredible. You know, it's a, it's a site that I haven't been able to recreate uh, since, but you know, I'm hoping, I'm thinking like with RV life, you know, we can get out into some of the boonies and where there's no light pollution and we can really enjoy, you know, similar views in the future. Yeah, that's uh, that's probably got to be a, an image that's been ingrained in your head for forever since. Um, I've got a friend who kind of lives out in the boonies here. It's about an hour drive from the city of Vancouver. And, uh, and, and we go there often um, during the summer and at nighttime, it's just, it's incredible, right? It's, you look up and you see the stars and it's like stuff that you don't normally see in a city because none of that stuff exists. Cause like you were mentioning, just the light pollution is, um, is, is crazy. Um, it, it's really something special that, that I think people lose track of. And it's just one of the small wonders that, that we have access to, um, uh, switching topics here, uh, your pandemic experience and how, how has Vegas been handling it? I know, uh, watching a little bit of the, uh, the recent Montreal Canadians, uh, Vancouver or Vegas Golden golden Knights, uh, hockey series. I was able to see that you guys have people in stadiums again and arenas again and reading the news. It seems like casinos are open. Um, how was the experience of, of COVID and, and the shutdown? So it was really interesting. Uh, you know, when it first happened, it, you know, everything shut down mid-March, but I remember that week leading up to it. And, you know, I, I you know, I called my boss and I'm like, Hey, you know, it seems like everybody else is shutting down. And, you know, honestly, like, I can't imagine going without income even for like a couple of weeks. So I'm just going to keep it open, you know, until somebody comes and physically tells me to stop. And, um, you know, where my, my, my store is, is actually inside one of the uh, resorts, one of the casinos there. And, you know, I really thought, which, which one is it? Uh, Mandalay Bay. Okay. Awesome. So, and, and I really thought, you know, Vegas is so dependent on that money. I really thought they were going to keep it open, you know, no matter what, but uh, you know, the, the people coming in dropped significantly those, those week, that week or two before everything officially shut down that they're like, wow, we can't even afford to staff this place anymore. We're losing money constantly. Like, so they had to shut down. So consequently I had to shut down and, um, we were shut down from March until July and, you know, during July, you know, numbers were still high. It was kind of crazy. You, you know, I, obviously we were all shut down. We didn't have anything else to do. So we're watching the news and watching all these different experiences. And, you know, at the same time, you're hearing about friends and family getting it, you know, some are recovering, no problem. Others, you know, not so lucky. And when we reopened in July, it was like, I, it, it, it reminded me of growing up in the Midwest and it was like, you get that first nice day of spring where it's like 70 degrees and it's warm. You can actually do things outside. And, you know, people flocked to Vegas, like the minute they heard it was open and like they were in the pools and all of that. And, you know, sure enough, a couple of weeks later, the, the cases spike up and all that. And I, I remember thinking and sending, you know, pictures and videos to my uh, fiance and being like, ah, oh, we're going to shut down again. Like, people aren't wearing masks, people aren't, you know, social distancing, like, they just, you know, three months of being cooped up was too long. <laughs> and, you know, at the same time, you know, I'm getting into crypto, kind of like, learning about, you know, everybody else's experiences in crypto, but also while what they're dealing with with COVID. And it's, 
it, it was crazy to me. I'm like, I'm back at work just wearing a mask and, you know, dealing with these people. And like, people are still shut down. Like they, they can barely get to their grocery stores and all of that. And I'm like, there's no way this is going to last. And, you know, sure enough, it's been a full year. We haven't shut down a single day in Vegas and uh, it it's now fully reopened. I'm maybe one of very few people that still wears a mask, mostly because I have to for work. And, you know, there's no mask, pools are open, social distancing is not a thing anymore. All of our restaurants are reopened, buffets are starting to reopen. Um, And it it is wild, like the, the hotels at max capacity, especially this weekend, you know, we had, you know, in the same weekend in the same like quarter mile radius you know we had the ufc fight last night um there was a massive concert inside the raiders stadium last night or tonight i can't remember uh the hotel i work in they had a big country artist come in so you know a lot of people flock to the area and and it's just crazy to look around and be like wow vegas is back but at the same time you know in the discord group you hear about people in I, i believe it was the philippines where like really struggling with it still and you know you hear about uh some of the struggles that are happening in india and everything and it's just absolutely mind-blowing you know my i got a buddy up in winnipeg and he said uh you know he he works in the film industry and it's just barely starting back up for him i think a month ago is when things started to come back and you know i just look at it from my perspective i'm like man i've been back at work for a full year now and he's just getting back himself so it is wild to see and you know i hope you know the rest of the world can kind of get on the same level and, and i hope we don't look at back on this part of history and see that like the us messed up opening up too early but as far as i can tell it seems like things are going pretty smoothly with the vaccine and everything so um yeah, yeah it, no, it's, it's wild. <laughs> it's uh, it's good to hear that um, that at no point throughout COVID uh, did you lose your job, um, which a lot of people did. Uh, and, and you're right. Uh, at the very beginning, I think it was March last year when everything shut down. Um, we had thought for at most this would be one or two months, um, let alone a year, a year and a half. Um, some places are still going. Fortunately, here in Vancouver, um, in British Columbia, we actually uh, have opened uh, to the point where masks are no longer mandatory inside. Uh, they're recommended, but not mandatory. And mm-hmm. then come September, um, they're going to be basically optional for anybody who wants to wear one. Uh, and we've done a pretty good job vaccinating here as well. So uh, I, think, I think you get to a point where you've given everybody the option to get vaccinated or not. Uh, people make that decision. And then at that point, if everybody's had the, the access to it, then you've just got to open up and, and, and start, start to welcome people back and, and have some normalcy back into life. Um, Cause it's really sad. Like uh, I coach some high school basketball here and I'm pretty uh, still connected with my, with my local high school. And it's very sad to just kind of see and hear about these uh, grade 11s and 12s, these seniors um, just basically lose a whole year, right? Not, not being able to go to school not being able to participate in sports, missing out on, on grad and, and all those trips and parties and, uh, it's, it's like a, and same with, same with a college and university. It's, it's a pretty significant time where a lot of people really start to figure out who they are, start to make friends that, that they have for, uh, for, for the rest of their life, um, and start to develop a lot of social skills, uh, that are, that are crucial to the rest of their life. And, and they're missing out on that important growth phase of, of their life, which is really sad to see. 
Um, but at the same time, obviously it was done um, for safety reasons. Uh, so there's yeah. always that, that side of it. Um, but it's just a very unfortunate situation that hopefully we're starting to be able to come out of and, and to have some normalcy again. Yeah, it's uh, it's wild to see it. And I, I don't know if I was clear, but we did shut down. Um, I did lose my job from uh, March to July. But, you know, after that, obviously, I was able to. Oh, oh OK. OK. So yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, but it's good that it wasn't that long. Um, and like you had mentioned, some places in other parts of the world uh, got family in New Zealand and Australia and, and they're completely shut down again with these different COVID variants. And it's just a very, very scary time in the world. And hopefully we can kind of find some way to move past it and, and to get back to normalcy. And hopefully I can go down to Vegas again sometime soon. I used to do a yearly <laughs> trip to Vegas, which uh, unfortunately didn't happen last year. Um, and, and I do miss it quite a bit. It's just that that escape and it, it, it's kind of weird. It just feels like a different place on earth, right? And I'm, I'm not sure if you probably get that experience. You probably don't because you're so used to it by now, but um, you probably deal with a lot of people who go down there that are just like, hey, like rules don't exist. Everything is just wild here. My <laughs> life is, is on pause and I'm a different person. And I can't even imagine the amount of people and the amount of stories you've got from people returning their their rental cars and just what happened to them and, and, and the way they look after a weekend bender and, and trying to get themselves back to uh, McCarran airport or whatever to get to, to get back home. Uh, do you have a wild, I'm putting you on the spot here, but do you have a wild story about, about a rental car that, or somebody renting a car and returning it? Um, off the top of my head. No. I mean, you know, a lot of the people that rent cars from us are, you know, people that want to get away from the strip and, you know, I, I feel like the people that are doing like the wild things, they, uh, you know, they, they want, you know, that saying to be true, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. So I think those are the ones that return their cars extra clean. So there's no questions asked, like, Hey, what, what were you doing with this? But, you know, we do get, you know, the people that go like off-roading, like they want the four wheel drive and all that, but in terms of like things they've done with the cars, uh, you know, the wildest thing that's happened is for a while we had a uh, brand new, you know, cherry red Corvette and a uh, Dodge Challenger in. And these two cars we had the most issues with in terms of the tires being bald and getting calls about uh, unpaid speeding tickets related to the vehicle. So, you know, if you get a ticket or a traffic stop or get caught on like a camera, you know, running a light or something like that, you know, all that stuff comes back to us, you know, one way or another. And those two cars for, you know, I'm not going to pretend like it's a, it's a secret, but you know, they got some horsepower to them. So <laughs> a lot of people, as soon as they pull out of the parking garage, you know, they do a burnout, fishtail it out of there. So tires come back bald and, you were getting calls like, Hey, you know, we see this car is at this location, you know, we've got, you know, three outstanding tickets on it that we need to, we need to send out to the appropriate people. <laughs> so, you know, that, that was always interesting to me, but um, you know, the touch on uh, something else that you had mentioned in terms of Vegas, uh, you know, being wild for me, like, I don't, take for granted, you know, everything that Vegas has to offer. And it's part of the reasons why, you know, I've managed to stay here for so long, you know, everything in anything you want to do is really available here. You know, they have, you know, gun ranges all over, uh, bow and arrow ranges. You can ride all the zip lines in the world. They're, 
some of them are insane like one's from the top of one tower across to another you know you're hundreds of feet in the air <laughs> they have one where uh off the stratosphere or now it's called the strat you can tr like free fall from the top of it and just like those last like 20 feet like that slows you down and you know you know some of the best restaurants in the world are here and you know the other thing that you know really keeps me here is everything's open 24 hours so you know when i contrast that to when i go back to the midwest to visit family it's like whatever you want to do, you better have it done by 8 p.m. Because otherwise, you know, it's, um, you know, you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> so yep. that, it, it, I love it here. For sure. For no, it's never, never a dull moment, right? There's always something to do. Um, all the biggest stars go there, whether it's concerts or some sporting events, like you mentioned UFC last night. Mm -hmm. um, there's, it's always, there's always an energy on the strip that, that you don't get anywhere else. Like, like you had mentioned, um, like, like the Midwest or even where I am. Right. Um, uh, so sure. We may get one or two events uh, a month, uh, that come in that, that generates a lot of buzz, but for the most part, even on weekends about 11 PM, it's, it's just dead quiet and, and kind of everybody's living their, their normal life. And in Vegas, you kind of have that option. Hey, you can live off the strip, but you you're always like you had mentioned like 15, 20 minute drive to the strip to where you can get all that action and, and have all that fun. So I, I can't even imagine living there full time and, and the amount of uh, adventures I'd get myself into. Um, uh, let's switch gears here and let's finally start to talk to, uh, about some crypto. Um, so maybe <laughs> yes. if you want to give me, a, you mentioned that you had zero background in finance and you had actually just explained sort of your, your whole upbringing um, and, and there was no, no financial aspect to that. Uh, how did you get into crypto and when so, did it start? So I, I guess the first seed was planted when um, Andre Antonopoulos, is that his name? Uh, went on um, Joe Rogan's podcast, maybe it's probably about five years ago. If I had to guess, you know, he was talking about Bitcoin and I remember it, I actually went back and listened to it maybe a few months ago because I was like, what was it about it that turned me off about Bitcoin? And, you know, he was talking about either buying or selling his car uh, with Bitcoin. And he goes, he, he was describing the whole wallet experience and how, you know, you can have multi signatures on it. And, you know, one guy, you know, was sending him Bitcoin and he's like, you know, it's not instant. So, you know, we, we did the transaction and I said, all right, just hang tight. We'll come back in 45 minutes. And after the, uh, the transaction's done, you know, that'll be it. We'll trade over the pink slip of the car. And I remember hearing that. I was like, 45 minutes to send money. Like, have you guys not heard of cash app? Like, why not just go to the bank and get a cashier's check or, you know, something along those lines. And, you know, for, Part of me, you know, that planted the seed of like, all right, Bitcoin's interesting. It's like this weird nerd internet money. And then, you know, just kind of put it on the back burner of my brain. And then um, in 2017, when Bitcoin started to kind of take off, I remember seeing like, you know, getting like the Google or like, oh, Bitcoin's worth $10,000. I'm like, how is this worth $10,000? Like, it's just internet money. Like, and prior to that, I, I played World of Warcraft, um, I think it was like 2012. And I remember in like the chats, you know, people uh, would talk about like sending each other Bitcoin on there. And I'm like, people used to give away that stuff for free. Like, how is Bitcoin worth anything now? <laughs> and um, 
you know, so watching the rise of the price throughout 2017 and, you know, eventually hit almost $20,000, it was kind of wild. And I remember, you know, I, I had my current job now working at the car rental store. And I remember like telling one of the, um, this, this still cracks me up. Um, so we had this guy who washed those, washed the cars there. And I remember telling him, I was like, man, Bitcoin's worth like $14,000 right now. He's like, Oh word. I was like, yeah, man. Like I regret not getting into it sooner. He's like, I've got some Bitcoin. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, man. When I was in college, you know, we, uh, we, we bought Bitcoin. I was like, how much was it? He's like, I don't know, maybe like five or six bucks. I was like, what? And I was like, how many do you have? He's like, I, I think I got like 12. I was like, you have 12 Bitcoin. He's like, yeah. I was like, and you work here. <laughs> he's like, yeah. And I was like, you realize you're telling me you have six figures just sitting and you're working here for like six or $700 a month. He's like, I do. I was like, yeah. He's like, oh man, I got it upstairs. I was like, okay. And um, so he goes up, he comes back down with his backpack and I'm thinking he's going to pull out a, a laptop. And before I say this next part, I didn't know anything about Bitcoin really outside of it. It was internet nerd money. Like that was it in like that podcast from Andre Antonopoulos. And so he comes down and he starts rifling through his backpack and he pulls out these actual gold coins. No. <laughs> that have the Bitcoin logo on them. Oh, and I'm like, no. I'm trying to piece it together. I'm like, so maybe like when you get a Bitcoin, you you get coins for it or maybe these are are like the wallets and uh and i'm like looking at him i'm like what so where'd you get them like how do you even get a bitcoin he's like oh we just used to buy them off of ebay i'm like oh god so i realized i just hyped this dude up thinking he has over six figures sitting in his backpack and now realizing he has absolutely nothing and at the same time his bank is running this uh, like promotion to where like they wanted to do like some kind of like Bitcoin retirement plan or something. I don't know. It was, it was a bank. Uh, I think it was Fidelity. And um, <laughs> so the next couple of weeks, I didn't have the heart to tell him. Like, I, I just did not. <laughs> I like, I thought he would just let it go. But I mean, obviously if somebody told me I had six figures just sitting in my backpack, I probably wouldn't let it go either. And um, so like the next couple of weeks, he kept telling me, he's like, yeah, I'm going to go meet with, uh, you know, the bank manager. They're going to help me set up a retirement plan with him. (laughs) Oh, God. So he actually went a few times and I like I didn't I wasn't there, but I can only imagine them sitting down with him and being like him, him telling him like, yeah, you know, I, I've got 12 Bitcoin or however many he had. And, you know, I want to get set up for retirement and then being like, okay, all right. And like him just pulling out these gold coins and I'm just being like, oh, uh, yeah, I don't know if we can work with you. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I can only imagine they had the same reaction as me where they didn't have the heart to tell him. And because he, he ended up going back to another place and asking them, I'm like, oh God, he's, uh, he doesn't know. And I'm not like, I can't be the one to tell him. I probably should be the one to tell him, but I can't. So anyway, so 
you know, after that whole experience and me just feeling like a terrible person <laughs> for the longest time, uh, I, you know, I decided to research it more and kind of figure it out then. And I was like, oh, okay, this is kind of interesting. You know, I didn't go past Bitcoin at this point. And then, um, you know, it was just something that kind of fell in the back burner, nothing I did anything about or pulled the trigger on. And then, you know, when the pandemic happened, um, you know, one of the things I started doing was just playing video games with my buddies in Scotland and Vancouver and, or not Vancouver, but uh, Winnipeg. And, you know, we would just play with random people, you know, talk and all that. And we ended up, me and my buddy from Winnipeg ended up playing with this guy who, you know, was a veteran as well. And, you know, we just got to talking and, you know, talking about the economic situation. And he's like, do you guys got any Bitcoin? We're like, no, like, why? why would we have Bitcoin? He's like, oh man, you guys need to get in on some Bitcoin. Like, just trust me. And like, you know, we're playing this game. He's going on about it. I'm looking at my phone. I was like, this stuff just dropped from like $9,000 to $3,000. Like it's probably going to zero along with the rest of the stock market. You know, like nobody knows what's going on with this. Like Bitcoin's the one with nothing, you know, backing it. So it's going to be the easiest thing to go to zero. You know, that's, that's what my mindset was at the time. And then, you know, he kept going on. He's like, I don't care how low it goes. Like, let it go to a hundred dollars. Like I'm going to buy it all. Like I'm dropping all my money into it. I was like, man, this guy's aggressive about this nerd money. And, um, you know, he, he started going like deep into like a conspiracy rabbit hole and talking about all these things. And we're like, okay, guy. Okay. And then, you know, we got off with him and I'm still talking to my buddy from Winnipeg. I was like, man, have you ever looked into Bitcoin? He's like, yeah, I did a little bit, but you know, I didn't go too deep into it. And I was like, yeah, same here. And I was like, man, eh, maybe I'll look into it. I have nothing else to do. You know, I'm jobless at the moment and just been playing video games for the last six hours. So ended up doing some research. My buddy ended up doing some research as well. Like we did it like completely separate of each other. And the next time we talked, we're like, you know, I think I'm going to buy, buy some Bitcoin. And he's like, I was thinking the same thing. And at the time, the only way I, I knew how to buy it was through Cash App. And, um, you know, I didn't have a lot of money, obviously. And, you know, I was concerned, like, okay, I don't know how long we're going to be jobless for. So I need to be smart with my money. So I just bought, like, $20 in Bitcoin. And then, you know, went back to playing video games with my buddy. And meanwhile, we're still, like, researching things and learning about exchanges and learning, like, what wallets really are for crypto and you know, one day I opened up my cash app and I realized my Bitcoin was worth $45. And I'm like, oh, okay. All right. I'm, I'm out here. I'm doing the trading thing. I'm coming up. Got a 2X on my money and uh, feeling good about life. I was like, got $45. Let's order Postmates. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, from there, it was just like, okay, what can I do to acquire as much crypto as I can with out spending any of the money I have because I you know I have just enough to cover the bills my fiance was still working but you know uh not to the same capacity she was and so it was like all right we need to be smart with the money so that's when I kind of learned about you know the fold app and lolly and um obviously cash app and then uh, you learned about exchanges like uh, coinbase and binance us and 
so you know with all those things there's there's ways to earn free bitcoin so with cash app what i started doing was just telling my friends i was like hey you know i just turned $20 into $40. I know it's not a lot, but you know, imagine if it, if I had more money to put in, you know, that would have been incredible. So sign up for cash app with this link and you're going to get $10, just put it into Bitcoin. Like, it seems like everything's going up and I didn't really know what I was saying at the time, but, uh, you know, just looking at everything, I was like, it's only got up to go from here. We just like bottomed out, like everything just fell off a cliff. And, um, you know, so I was able to get a few friends to do that. And I was, you know, as they get $10, I get $10, kind of like what's going on with the reserve app. You know, you invite somebody, get a couple bucks. We all just kind of put it into Bitcoin. And then um, I was like, all right, let's, I need to look into like how to do this like more officially, you know? And that's kind of when I found out about Coinbase and, you know, same thing, you get $10 in uh, Bitcoin if you put $100 on there. So I was sending that to everybody. I was like, yeah, put $10 on. We'll each get 10 bucks in Bitcoin. Like, it's going to be great. And then that's when I started to like dig deeper. And so this was probably about April, you know, first couple of weeks of April that I'm learning about it. And then, you know, I'm going on YouTube university to learn about crypto and everybody's talking about the having event coming up for Bitcoin. I'm like, what does that even mean? You know, and it, I didn't understand it. Everybody's like, oh, it's going to be massive, uh, massive supply shock. And, um, you know, it, it's going to cut the rewards in half. I was like, there's rewards in Bitcoin. And, you know, obviously now I understand like that's how the mining works and you got to cut those out every halving cycle. And, um, you know, I was looking at the basic charts that they have on regular Coinbase, not Coinbase Pro, you know, with like actual candles that real traders use. And, it's just like that single line. And I remember just looking at the full scale of Bitcoin and you can kind of see the waves grow bigger and bigger. And that's when I learned uh, those waves, those peaks happened or like started to spike about five to six months after the halving events. And I was like, oh, so we have a halving coming up next month in May. I think it was like May 21st, something along those lines. And I'm like, okay, so that means things will probably start to pick up around like October, November. And then, you know, from there, like it's going to really take off. And I was like, all right, so I need to start figuring out how to acquire as much Bitcoin. I started going harder on like the Fold app. I haven't missed a spin since I had that realization on Fold app. You know, at first it was like a couple hundred sats and now it's like down to like 25 or whatever it is that you get on each spin. But you know, I just ever since then, that consistency has, you know, allowed me to earn, you know, a few thousand dollars in Bitcoin from the Fold app and Lolly, which was, you know, is worth, it's worth a few thousand dollars now, I, I should say, but, you know, it was some like two and a half million sats, or Satoshis. And, um, you know, from there, it was just kind of like, trying to explain this to my friends, but not seem like a psychopath. Like, no, 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 you need to understand this having event is gonna be the trigger. This is what sets it off. And then everything's gonna go wild from here. And then, you know, I had the friends that got Cash App and got Coinbase, but you know, a lot of them fell off. But my uh, brother, I'm like, I remember telling him, I was like, yeah, Bitcoin's starting to move. Ethereum's gonna be massive. He's like, Ethereum, like, I haven't heard of that. What's that? I was like, oh, it's number two. Like, it's gonna be big. Like. Think about it. It went up to, I think it topped out at like $1,400 last time. It's going to probably do like 10X of that. 
something crazy from there, you know? And at the time, I think Bitcoin or uh, Ethereum rather was 200, $225. And he's like, all right, I, I guess I'll buy a couple of Ethereum. And the way Coinbase, like the basic app works, it's kind of weird. Like it doesn't make sense. Like a normal exchange, like you load your money on to the exchange and then like you put in your buy order or market buy, whatever you want to do. On Coinbase, you just connect your bank account and you're just like, how much Ethereum do you want to buy? And then you just do it. But what he thought he was doing was doing what I was explaining was like, you put your money on and then you buy it. So he thought he put his money on and then he was getting ready to buy it. In reality, he accidentally bought like $900 in Bitcoin on a, or in a Ethereum rather on accident. And uh, he's like, oh man, I didn't mean to do that. I'm like, I was like, do you need that money? And he's like, uh, not really. Like my brother, my both my brothers are actually pretty well off. Like they work the entire pandemic and do all these things. He's like, no, not really. I was like, all right, you're not going to regret it. <laughs> he's like, okay. And, uh, you know, so he bought uh, just shy of four Ethereum for $900, I think it was. And uh, now it, it, it's crazy to think about. I was actually on a Zoom call with him two nights ago. And like, I was like, so how's that Coinbase account look? And he's like, I don't know how, but it's worth over $9,000. I'm like, yeah, I know. It's crazy. And like, he, he thinks I'm doing magic and some financial genius, but I'm just like, no, just buy and hold, buy and hold. You'll be set. So that was like, that was the start of like everything that set everything in motion from there. I mean, uh, that that's an absolutely great story. And I would say that you are a financial genius. I would say everybody <laughs> in crypto right now um, who has actually done some work to research it and think about it themselves is a financial genius. And you come to the conclusion that, hey, you should be buying Bitcoin or Ethereum or some of these other coins that are now bigger. Um, I would say that that you are a financial genius to, to actually think that through. And um, I mean, my, my background is I'm an accountant. Uh, I went to business school and I've given this concept to a lot of people who actually work in the financial industry, in banking, and they haven't even given it half a look, right? They haven't bothered to do any of the just preliminary research. Um, and you would think that it's kind of wild if you work in that industry, see the price growth of these assets and not be at least just a little bit curious to just read a tiny bit about it. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously we'll touch on reserve in a bit, but I think just reading a bit about Bitcoin, just like how, if you read the reserve white paper, it's kind of hard not to at least dabble a bit into it and, and, and at least look at the concept and be like, Hey, this theoretically has a lot of legs. Now I don't know if in reality, conceptually, it's going to turn into the same as when it's implemented in real life for adoption. But at least in theory, everything seems to check out all the boxes seem to kind of check, check out. Um, why not dabble at least a couple hundred dollars into this, uh, or whatever you've got lying around just to see how it goes. And like you had mentioned, or even just downloading one of the apps in, in, uh, in Canada, we've got one called shake pay. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty big. And um, I've shaked my phone for the past, like, I'd say probably like 210 days in a row or something like that. And it gives me about a thousand sats a day. Um, and that's all free, right? Uh, yeah. Even if you don't want to put your own money into it, just reading about it, having that interest download one of these apps, like the fold app, although I'm not as lucky with the fold app, I, <laughs> I've actually deleted it since because every day I would get like five sats or 10 sats or, <laughs> or sorry, better luck tomorrow. I think after a while, they, <laughs> they put that piece on the, uh, on the wheel. That's like where you actually win zero. 
yeah. it's like better luck tomorrow. And it's like, oh man, like this is not worth it. I get very upset every time I get zero. So I'm, I'm, I'm done with this. Um, but there are so many different apps out there where you can get set. So when you say you're not a financial genius, I beg to differ. Um, and your, your story to, uh, to finding about bit, finding out about Bitcoin and the guy you worked with, with physical Bitcoin, <laughs> um, um, that, that is, uh, that is actually hilarious. And, and it's something that I think people, when, when they're listening are going to have a good laugh at, um, cause I'm sure that a lot of people out there, I don't myself, unfortunately have a similar story where people thought they were buying Bitcoin or didn't know what it was. Um, yeah. <laughs> and thought they were rich, but, but actually weren't, it was actually pretty cool that the guy you worked with kept his Bitcoin in his backpack, like not, not at home, uh, on his desk or something like that, but just decided to carry it with him wherever he went. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea why he had it in there. It was, it was, uh, it was wild. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's really quite something. But, uh, before we, we kind of delve into, more of, of reserve and the altcoins and, and some of your own kind of personal investing strategies. Uh, we're going to pause for a little break here for an ad. So first a word from our sponsor, Recursive. If you would like to sync data between applications, Recursive can seamlessly connect any apps, giving your data more value. Your company and your customers can benefit from you having important information in the right place at the right time. Visit recursive.com, R-E-C-U-R-S-Y-V.com. And don't forget to mention this podcast for 20% off of your subscription. All right, back to the pod. So you're talking about how you got into Bitcoin and then moving into Ethereum. Um, and this actually all happened, uh, if I'm not mistaken, during the pandemic last year. Um, Correct. Yeah. How did you, and then you mentioned that you, you've been in the Discord or I guess in, uh, a reserve ranger since about August um, of last year. How did you find out about reserve? So I remember... Somebody, so my first exposure was, you know, I, I mentioned, you know, I went to YouTube University and I kept just trying to find like quality information on crypto in general. And there's one channel I came across um, that I actually still listen to. And they, they were talking about how they were, they were looking at like low cap coins that might be doing something bigger than what you expect from your normal crypto. And reserve ended up being one of them. And, you know, I was driving and I was just listening to it. And, you know, that's what I, whenever I go somewhere, like I'm either listening to a podcast or listening to something on YouTube and trying to like learn more and more as much as I can. And I remember them talking about uh, reserve and how it was like less than a penny at the time, you know, pretty low cap and, it was helping fight, you know, hyperinflation. And I can't remember what reserve had going on at the time. This was probably July, maybe when I heard it, maybe June. And, you know, it was just saying it was in the beginning stage, stages and like they had some things in the works. And I'm like, okay, that's interesting. And I remember coming home, just like looking it up on like CoinMarketCap and, you know, my knowledge base of crypto was still very small. So, I didn't really understand 100% like what they were up to. So I was like, I'll just keep that one in the back of my mind. And then somebody, I don't remember where I came across it, but somebody started talking about uh, Coinbase Ventures and how there's this in the, the entire website. I think it's ventures.coinbase.com. You can go there and you can see everything that Coinbase is invested in. And I think it was, cello or cello gold 
Siegold um, that was listed around that time. But there, you know, there was like someone that pointed it out to me like, oh, Coinbase is invested in this. That's why they listed it. And then, you know, at the time the Coinbase pump was real. Like that was a big thing. You know, like you go back on any chart for a listing on Coinbase, you know, the day of uh, about a year ago, it all got an insane pump. And I'm like, all right, well, let's take a look through what Coinbase is invested in, you know, see what's down there that's interesting to me. And the two that I came across that stood out, they stood out for different reasons, was uh, Reserve and Matic, now Polygon. And the reason why Matic stuck out to me is because I had just gotten approved from Binance US, because you know that takes forever to get approved, or maybe you didn't know, but it takes a good while to get approved on with the KYC on Binance US. And I remember seeing Matic was on there. I was like, oh, okay, cool. That's one I can actually invest in that's not listed on Coinbase yet. And then I learned about, uh, I saw Reserve on there and I, I, you know, prior to, I had heard of it and I was like, all right, let's take a look and see what they're doing. And I don't remember what they were doing at the time, but I remember thinking like, oh, wow, this is super low cap. You know, those guys on YouTube were talking about it and like what they have going on. So I did like a little more digging and I'm like, oh, wow, like they're helping with hyperinflation. Uh, Venezuela like was one of their target countries. And I think their inflation rates like something crazy, like 40,000%. And I'm just thinking like, well, in, you know, post pandemic where, you know, all these countries are basically printing money and doing all these things or across the board, they're devaluing their money. And I'd I imagine cryptocurrency is the future. So why not take a look at this? And then, you know, unfortunately at the time, like none of the the exchanges I was on, uh, Coinbase, um, Binance US and Qcoin didn't have it. And Uniswap at the time seemed very, very new to me. So like, I was like, I don't know how to figure this out. And then Eventually, I saw the price on reserve dipped a little bit. And I was like, all right, I got some Ethereum. I think it's time to figure out Uniswap. And figured out Uniswap. And um, for whoever it might not be obvious to, uh, Binance, regular Binance isn't available in the US. So that's why I couldn't just buy it there. And I also didn't know how VPNs worked at the time. So I wasn't going to go that route. Um, so I figured out Uniswap, um, and then it just became this obsessive game of trading on Uniswap, which I don't recommend. Like most people will say like because of gas fees, but I'm going to say because I was waking up in the middle of the night to check charts to be like, oh, it's like now a good time to swap ETH into RSR or vice versa. So I can kind of just grow my bag. And so that was like my my introduction to RSR and then it, it just became like an obsessive thing. And then I don't even remember how I came across the Discord, but I remember finding it and joining and like hearing about some of the bags that, you know, some of the people in there had. I'm like, oh, wow, I, I need to get on that level. Like these guys are prepared for like the future, future, like life changing wealth. And I'm like, did my, did a lot more research on reserve and I was like, okay, this seems like a solid project. This seems like one that's not going to disappear, you know, not going to be like one of those, you know, tales from the last bull cycle that just came and fizzled out. Like they're working on a real thing. And, you know, I feel like month after month, the, the team has like proven itself with 
the uh, the amount of new users that they get on the app, the developments that they have on the app, um, and, and just all of that. And it's just incredible to watch, and just gives me more and more confidence. So from there, like I was, you know, waking up in the middle of the night to check the charts, uh, and like I would run downstairs because you can't use Uniswap on your phone grab my laptop and be like, all right, all right, I need to get more, e or need to get more RSR. And then every time RSR, um, you know, kind of looked like it was topping out, I was like, all right, let's swip, swap it into Ethereum. And then maybe I can build my bag a little more. And then sure enough, you know, RSR dropped a little bit more and I'm like, all right, I can buy a bigger bag. And, you know, slowly just played that game and it was kind of awful. And then finally, you know, after talking to enough people in the discord, and, and this is one of the things I love about it, like, the discord group has been incredible for just gaining information and learning different avenues to solve, you know, these problems that, you know, you have. So I was like, finally, like, I can't set buy orders or sell orders and do these things like, you know, kind of automatically. So I, I, I need to, I need to do it. It's messing with my sleep, <laughs> you know, it's messing with my work, all these things. And then, you know, God forbid, like one of the, transactions doesn't go through like you lose that gas fee working with uniswap <laughs> so it was like a whole thing and it just built up to like learning you know picking everybody's brain in the discord of like all right i know there's americans that are using binance share your secrets because i i, I need to do this and you know from there it, it became a lot easier and that's when actually when rsr started to take off and you know crush like five six cents and all those things so what I started doing there was um, taking this Bitcoin that I was earning on these free apps, you know, the Fold and Lolly and Cash App. And I was like, well, I can just send those directly to my Binance account. Like I don't, it doesn't need to be a, a fiat on-ramp. So I sent my Bitcoin there and I was able to just get more RSR. You know, that's how I was able to build my RSR bag, you know? So that was like the real value of like getting this free Bitcoin, using these referral codes and all of that, you know, the, you know, not only buy my RSR bag and build that up, but, you know, to help my friends too, you know, like get them involved. Cause, you know, obviously in terms of like exponential growth, I think it seems pretty obvious that RSR is going to probably outperform over time uh, Bitcoin over the same amount of time. It, yeah, I think that makes sense. So, you know, for me, like it was a no brainer, like whatever Bitcoin I had, like it made sense to just convert it into RSR. And then, you know, finally built it up to a bag where like, I feel like, okay, this is like a solid amount of RSR to just sit on. And, you know, if the price tanks or whatever, like I'll just hold on to it. It doesn't matter. Like, I'm just going to let it sit. And, you know, when the time comes and, you know, it, it's time to like take profits, like I'll do that. But as of right now, I'm done with my RSR bag. I'm gonna just let that sit and be. And you know, getting getting Binance was like a massive for me because <laughs> that, that that switched it from like trading on Uniswap to like okay, let's just dollar cost average with Bitcoin into it. Yeah, for sure. There's there's definitely uh, pros and cons of these uh, centralized exchanges like like a Binance or like a Kraken or. Or, or, or whatever, um, KuCoin, um, all those ones out there compared to a Uniswap, there's definitely pros and cons. Um, it's pretty cool that uh, you're able to uh, organically find the Discord and, and, and that it's given you a lot of value. You've been a huge member of the Discord. And for those of you guys who aren't in there right now, 
um you can check out the uh, the show notes there'll be a link an invite link to get into the discord it's 100 free uh we're all rsr rangers um although we also uh as we continue to build our bags we also look at other altcoins as well as talk about other things like food and just random stuff and sports um so just building community and getting to know each other better which which i found a lot of fun and it's been uh it's been great to have this podcast and to have you on here so this is kind of one of the things that's that's helped me build up uh some type of community and makes it more fun to follow reserve on a daily basis um obviously it's a lot more fun to follow it with with people that that you talk to on a daily basis about it and and friends than um than if you were just doing it by yourself uh do you have any thoughts on reserve in terms of where the project is currently at and where you think it's going in the future and any type of timeline like that so obviously there's been uh news lately that uh they just opened up referrals again uh referral links or i guess invitation links to existing users of the reserve app in venezuela i think they get 10 or something like that Uh, i can't remember if it's on a a monthly basis or just 10 in general um but there are also uh different developments in the project like nevin Mm -hmm. saying that they're going to start to open up marketing soon and he's going to start to do a whole press tour including coming back on this podcast again um, ramping up in anticipation of, of mainnet, which they've said is still on pace for quarter four this year, which is less than six months uh, away. Um, do you have any thoughts on where the project currently is at and where you think it's going? Yeah, it's um, it's actually pretty incredible. Like what it's done price-wise and all of that with zero marketing. Like that's the one thing, like I, I say it a lot, in the discord and I, I don't know if people like understand what i mean like the fact that rsr and, and the reserve team and the app have managed to do and accomplish what they've done with zero marketing like meanwhile like you see all these other coins that you know they seem like they're more marketing focused than they are product focused and that's a that's the thing that gives me a lot of confidence in reserve is the fact that they have an actual product, like people are using it. You know, I, I share, you know, with the daily daily ranger activities, uh, the video of uh, Vortex. I, I believe his name was Francisco. His real name, maybe doesn't want that shared. Yep, that's correct. Yeah, uh, that video that he did where he was just in the mall and just made that transaction over the Reserve app. You know, that's mind blowing to me. Like he's spending crypto. Like that's one of the greatest criticisms of crypto in general is how are you going to how are you going to spend it like what can you buy with it and meanwhile down in venezuela it, it might be you know a bit of a minority at the moment but when you think of adoption of crypto overall it's uh, to me it's still incredible you know i remember when i first started getting into crypto i believe it was willy woo looking at the number of bitcoin wallets that exist in the world and it made up in the entire world, I think it counted for, accounted for maybe 2% of the population. I, that feels high to me now. Um, you know, obviously in, in more developed countries, it's a little bit higher and, you know, a little lower some places, but for the grand total of the world, that's, uh, that's pretty crazy to me. So for Reserve to have like a working product where these people are able to one, not only bypass the hyperinflation system that they have in their countries 
and then actually be able to spend that money or that crypto, you know, I, I know it's kind of in a weird phase of like figuring out like, are they actually spending RSV or and all that? But it, it seems like they're on the right track to get that sorted. Um, but it, in terms of where they are and where they're going, I, I think their last official numbers was like a hundred thousand users. And I think they even had a day where they did like $3 million in transactions which is pretty crazy to think about. But it, if you think if each of those 100,000 users has 10 invites, you know, that puts us at what, a million users, assuming they each use all 10. And, you know, it, it's obviously not going to be like that perfect system where we're going to jump up to a million users on the app. But, you know, we're, we're moving in that direction. And I believe it might have been on your podcast or maybe a different place, but Nevin talked about like 10 million users is where like, things really start to like take off. So when you think uh, like they're trying to 10X their user base now, once they get to that, it's just another 10X. And you got to think they're doing this with just word of mouth. You know, they're, they're trying to spread this without actually marketing it. Like they just want the value and the impact of this app and what they're trying to accomplish to be so great that people have to talk about it. And then if you look at the reviews of the reserve app, it's it's crazy to see. Like, I remember looking at it, I was like, man, this is gonna be five stars all day, but it's not, it's not five stars. There's like one stars on there. And like the one stars, they, they're split up into two different categories. One is uh, just like some customer service issues, which they actually, they just recently sorted out. And it was like some, so just like little hiccup issues of which will happen with any app, but the overwhelming majority of them were one-star reviews because people couldn't sign up. Like there's such a demand that people are like, I'm a one-star this, like get it together. Let me get on this. Let me like get involved with the reserve. Let me get this, you know, this life-changing financial system into my life. So when I, when you put it in that perspective and the fact that they have done zero marketing, and it, it just seems like that exponential growth is there. And, you know, with them coming out and saying like mainnet's on track for the end of the year, it, it just seems like it's, you know, it's kind of silly to say that it's like almost too big to fail, you know, once it gets to that point. But the fact that they also have, you know, Coinbase backing. So, you know, I'm not, I don't think it's going to happen this year. It'll probably happen, you know, probably Q1, Q2 of 2022, if I had to guess, but a, a Coinbase listing for RSR will be massive for them. And the thing I go back to with that is, you know, the, av like it's, RSR is not technically available in the US outside of crypto.com. And the amount of people that actually know about reserve is from what I've seen, very small. You know, it's, it, you know, if, if reserve, if RSR was able to have like that same level of like crazy trending as like these meme coins, these dog coins, where like you just tell people like, oh yeah, this, this coin's only one or two cents. And if you put like a hundred dollars on it, you know, if it goes to a dollar or whatever, you know, that's going to be insane. And you know, reserve doesn't have that yet. You know, it doesn't have that going for it right now because, you know, there's no marketing, but they are ramping up the marketing. Like that's going to get more eyes on the product, uh, on the project. And, you know, once 
people see and understand like what they're trying to do for hyperinflation. And now that inflation is actually becoming a lot more real, especially here in the US. You know, it's not something, you know, in my lifetime that's ever really been a consideration um, outside of, you know, talking about the difference between, you know, how much it costs to get a house or get an education versus, you know, minimum wage. Like that was like really the only context of inflation that was talked about. But, you know, on like, a, you know, month over month basis, that wasn't discussed at all but now that people are seeing housing prices go up and you know the lumber prices and gas prices all these things go up they're starting to realize oh inflation is now becoming a real thing in the u.s and you know running a, a car rental store you know people complain about the price of gas all the time and to me i just laugh i'm like it's not that bad you know it, yeah it's gone up you know a dollar or two um, you know, over the course of the past year, but, you know, compared to what's going down in Venezuela, that's, that's nothing, you know, so I think, you know, once it's actually available and marketed in America to some extent, or like Americans are able to see and understand it, they'll be like, oh yeah, they're going through what we're going through, but on a much grander scale they'll see what reserves doing what they're you know accomplishing and everything they've accomplished so far you know i believe it's in four countries and working on more all the time but you know once they kind of get this this uber model of like seek and destroy you know not really destroy but seek and enhance these different countries and their financial systems i think um people will see like oh yeah, it's making a positive impact on these countries with hyperinflation. But we can also, you know, we can apply that to places without that. You know, if you watch the app, it's so simple, you know, how to send money. But the other thing that I think is really interesting is with uh, countries like El Salvador, and I think Paraguay is um, moving to having Bitcoin as legal tender. It's, you know, they're, they're working with the Lightning uh, Network and they think they've got it figured out enough to where they can actually make this like a real reality and people will actually want to use Bitcoin. I think they're going to come into the hangups of, you know, how Bitcoin works and how it, it's slower and kind of the, you know, basically all the, the shortcomings of Bitcoin as like a peer-to-peer -peer payment, you know. So I think... Um, I think those 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 uh, those bumps in the road with Bitcoin are going to come to light as adoption happens with that, and at the same time they're going to see Venezuela taking off with the Reserve app, you know, as it, it's attempting to grow to a million users, and them being like, oh, they already have this system down there, it's working out great. They didn't even have to, you know put into law that it's legal tender and hopefully something along those lines comes down the road. I don't, I don't know what that looks like, but I think they'll kind of see the similarities of how crypto is being used and how reserve was actually created as a, a payment method and has this app and all that created. I think that, um, you know, that, that Bitcoin adoption is hopefully going to funnel into 
reserve like or at least highlight you know the high points of the reserve app and everything that they're building with um with all that i i completely agree and i think this <laughs> i hope somebody someday cuts that i don't know how long that was maybe five minutes and uses that <laughs> as, as marketing because that was a perfect explanation of sort of everything going on in the project and where the project is headed and i, I think one of the the biggest advantages that reserve will have as, as an app. And it was something that you had alluded to in terms of your initial um, start to Bitcoin is that the, the wallet situation and the user interface is not as complicated as managing your own wallet, figuring out your public and private keys and sending stuff to those certain uh, other, other people's wallets. Um, This is just a simple, Hey, you've got a username on there. I can send you money sort of like the cash app. Um, and, and all that uh, complicated stuff in terms of decentralization and whatnot and, and, and mainnet and arbitrage and, and keeping the dollar pegged uh, will all happen in the background. Um, and, and it's very important that, that this is something that's available for uh, especially third world countries because the education isn't as great and, and people are, are already scared of, of new technology and not understanding how things work. And, and obviously people are even more scared when they don't have much money and they're being asked to take that leap into putting their money onto new technology. And if they don't quite understand exactly how it works and it's not very easy, it's going to be diff- a, a very difficult sell for them to, uh, to get onto the platform. So I think what Reserve is doing is absolutely fantastic. And I think the fact that they do have a very nice and easy functioning front-facing platform, user platform, um, will be their, their separating factor um, compared to everything else. And obviously it's very difficult for some of these other projects to have that, like a Bitcoin per se, because nobody knows who Satoshi is, despite Craig Wright trying to, trying to tell everybody that he is Satoshi. <laughs> nobody knows who Satoshi is. So there isn't as much ownership of, of the project and an and entity trying to get that done. Um, whereas right now we've got Nevin as the CEO and he's uh, focused on trying to get this app um, to work properly, to put in the customer support in place and to have all of that grassroots stuff and, and the fundamentals there so that you can build upon that and start to scale and, and to move into these other countries. And when, when the marketing comes around and people start to see how easy it is to actually use this app and that they do start to put out more of their own team's videos instead of seeing users use the use the app and they have their own instructional videos and demonstrations, um, it's going to be very evident where the differentiating factor is for reserve. And, and I think we're going to start to see a lot more adoption that way and a lot more enthusiasm in terms of North American and, and, uh, and European investors. Um, so that's absolutely fantastic. I want to touch on the idea that you had and you briefly mentioned it in terms of daily tasks. How did you come up with that idea? What are daily tasks for Rangers? Uh, first, let's let's discuss that for those of uh, those of the people listening who don't know what they are, and um, and talk about how you came to that idea. Yeah, so I, I remember listening to your podcast with Nevin, and you know one of the things he said was, you know, he was happy to come on your podcast. You, you know, I, I don't know how many people listen or anything like that, but I think it was still relatively in its infancy. Maybe you had like five or six shows out. Um, yeah, something like that. I think he was like my third guest. Yeah, and I, 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 I just thought that was the craziest thing. I was like, man, he just got this off the ground. Like, you know, and there's, I, you know, I don't mean this in any disrespect, but I didn't think like you had, you know, any kind of like real reach with it yet. So I was like, 
man, it's crazy that he's on there. Like, that's awesome. But one of the things he touched on was how, you know, they haven't done the marketing or they haven't had the people to hire to really do the marketing because they're so like nose to the ground, just trying to figure out how to get this app and everything launched and getting that adoption going. And he said, you know, he, he is kind of leaning on the community to kind of spread the word, what they're on about and um, getting that information out however possible, you know? And I remember, I think Fuzzy said like he had reached out to Nevin to ask about uh, using the logo for the store. And Nevin's like, no, absolutely do it. Like whatever's gonna spread reserve do it. And I remember thinking like, all right, Fuzzy's got the store. Now you have the store. Uh, you have the podcast. Um, Crypto Rick, can't remember his real name. I don't know if I ever really knew his real name, but he was like creating an NFT and, um, you know, we had the Discord going and there, you know, uh, I'm not going to try and pronounce her name, but Sinner, Sweet Sinner on Twitter is like killing it on there. Like absolute beast. Like it's crazy. Every now and then I just go look at her Twitter and I'm just like, man, she's like, every hour of the day, it seems like she's just spreading the gospel of reserve. <laughs> so I was like, all right, so she's got Twitter covered. I was like, what can I do? And, you know, kind of after I got my reserve bags to where I w wanted them to be, like, I started looking at like other like up and coming projects and um, two of them I came across, one courtesy of you was a uh, Veracity VRA. Uh, so I joined their discord group and you know, I'm not as active in there, but every now and then like I peek in there and then another coin I came across was, you know, by doing the same thing I did with uh, Reserve and Matic was just going through Coinbase Ventures and I saw a coin called Naos, N-A-O-S Finance that literally just launched maybe like a month or two ago. And, you know, so I joined their Discord. I'm like, well, this is a brand new project. Let's kind of keep tabs on it. And one of the things that I saw them both do in their groups to kind of spread the word were like these daily activities. And I'm like, all right, let's see what these are all about. And, um, you know, two of the things they talked about were coin market cap and coin gecko. Like you want to keep those, uh, the, the good, bad rating, you want to keep those high. And then you want, um, if you, if you go on to coin market cap, you can see how many people have a coin in their watch list. And, you know, so you want that number to constantly be growing, like, you know, because that kind of gets it trending on there. And, you know, if people go and check out the project, they'll be like, oh, wow, you know, 20,000 people or however many it is have reserve on their watch list or, you know, whatever coin they were working on. So, you know, in, in my mind, I was like, okay, I can see the value in that. You know, that's a way of, you know, kind of manipulating the, you know, the, algorithm of the internet to influence opinion of what things are, you know? So I watched them post them a couple days, uh, like a few times to see like what kind of things they valued and um, CoinMarketCap, uh, CoinGecko, and then the daily Google search. Those were daily, no matter what, those were in there. And then, you know, those were up and coming projects. So they had like, you know, new things coming out almost every other day. So it's like, oh, go retweet this or go check out this podcast or look at this YouTube video. And so like with that, I was like, oh, okay, all right. I see what they're doing here. You know, if you can like send more people to like a Twitter post and comment on it, like it's going to keep that Twitter post hanging in 
people's timelines longer or if they search that cash tag in on twitter and they just see like a post from the you know whatever coin you know if you see a reserve post and you just see you know 100 200 comments of people just going hard like pro reserve and all that then you know that can influence people's opinion to you know i'm not saying like oh people are going to see like 100 people liked and retweeted this and they're like oh i need to buy it right now but it'll at least get them thinking like you know kind of what i did you know i watched or listened to that youtube video where they're like talking about reserve and it just planted that seed that like positive seed in my head of like all right they might be up to something and then like once that opportunity to buy comes around you know, it's almost like a no-brainer. Like you just have to do like a little research, see what it's doing, make sure the team's still intact and all that. And so I, you know, I saw what they were doing and I like immediately kind of saw the value and then it kind of clicked with me like, all right, the reserve team needs some help marketing. How can we do that? And, you know, we already have like this kind of small ecosystem of like the reserve group, which, I, I mean, I don't know if this has been your experience, but it is overwhelmingly positive in our Discord group. Like, I, it's incredible to see, you know, the constructive conversations that happen. I mean, we've really only had maybe two or three people where we're like, all right, this guy's got to go, or he needs like a cool down period. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I totally, totally agree. Um, R.I.P. Bert, my, my buddy, my buddy Bert, <laughs> who, we, who we still bring up, but I totally agree. And I think that's the whole purpose of the Discord is to have these constructive conversations without actually putting people down and understanding that we're all in it together. We all want to see the project succeed. Um, people who are there who are frustrated are generally frustrated because, because they do have a stake in the project. They do uh, have some sort, uh, some amount of, of RSR that they're holding, and they would like to see the price go higher and the project to succeed. So I think when when you put that in perspective, and it's coming from that place that we are all together in this, it's much easier to have these conversations that are asking critical questions. Um, and one thing that I always want to mention back to is when we were a little frustrated with the uh, the reserve protocol Twitter account. And, mm -hmm. uh, and we all kind of came together and tried to figure out some way to, to tweet at it, to, to let them know, hey, we actually want more, uh, not, not as much meme stuff and as much like as many jokes, uh, but actually more engaging uh, educational content. And, and we were able to make some change on that and Nevin actually acknowledged it. And, uh, and, and it was really cool to see that. So, so I'm, I'm very proud of, of the Discord and, and all of the members in it and, and how we all work together to try to make this project as, as good as it can and, and do what we can to, to spread the word, including you starting these, uh, these, these daily, daily tasks now. Um, and it's annoying that coin gecko and, and this coin market cat make you do it every day. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, come on, <laughs> uh, can't, can't you have some leeway? You know, I could vote once a week or once a month or something like that. Uh, yeah. but, but, it, but it's really cool because you can see the, the daily sentiment and you've done an absolutely fantastic job. And, and I don't know if you've got some stats or whatever, but, but I can just say that like, the, like you can just see the the approval rating on on coin gecko and coin market cap going up substantially since since you started this and this is 100% because of you like there's nobody else doing it right now uh, and and you had even posted screenshots of hey this is what it's like right now this is kind of pathetic we can do a lot better as a community <laughs> and and the community has spoken and it's helped you back this and and we're seeing much better numbers now and 
Um, it's absolutely fantastic. And I don't know if you've got any numbers. Um, yeah, so I, I don't have anything really official, but, you know, just a, I believe it was a day or two ago, I posted in the Discord, like, on, I think it was CoinMarketCap, we actually got to 100%, like 100% good. Like, everybody that looked at Reserve on that day felt positive about the project. And it was, you know, incredible to go from, you know, like, uh, like you said, I posted the initial screenshot, I think we were in the 60% range. And then within a day or two, we were able to get that up to the 90s. And I think the lowest we've gone is maybe the 70, high 70s on the weekends, you know, when, you know, the Discord's a little less active. So obviously we're not gonna have as much influence, but it, it's been incredible to do. And I tried to keep up with like the Google trends. And I think once we kind of get a little more adoption into the, like the daily ranger tasks, like this will be a more influenced, but you do see like the little on the graph, you do see the ticks up. So you can see when more people have definitely done the Google search and all that. And, you know, the whole point was with it was to kind of support the reserve community on top of the reserve project. So, you know, it's, you know, it, kind of went back to um, like, if you listen to the Joe Rogan podcast, one of the things he talks about that has been really powerful with him doing the podcast, regardless, I know some people kind of feel certain ways about Joe Rogan and his opinions and stuff like that. But one of the incredible things that he's been able to do with his podcast is help launch the careers of lesser known people. And he's always talked about, you know, using that as a platform to help promote, you know, things that he was a fan of. And I really love that idea. Like he doesn't really tear individual people down. You know, he, he, he's not interested in that. You know, it's, you know, he talks about when he came back to doing comedy at the comedy store, like, uh, you know, a lot of people credit him to like changing the entire vibe of that because he was there just to lift people up. So like that kind of mindset stuck with me um in terms of like being able to make an impact so with the daily ranger activities like you know like i said you you've you've got the store you've got the podcast and all these things and i don't know how many people were like actively checking these things out you know when um one of the things that clicked with me was when uh, Fuzzy had to shut down his store. He's like, oh, it's, you know, it's not really working out. And, you know, he's doing the RV life. So it's kind of a struggle to really keep it going. And, and it, it that like sat with me. I was like, man, you know, I, I kind of forgot the store even existed. Like, it, and I know he's busy, he's living his life, you know, and, and so like, he didn't have the time to really promote it himself. And I'm like, well, you know, with the daily ranger activities, that's something we can include. Like we can make sure we keep this awesome resource. Like I'm wearing my reserve ranger shirt right now that I, I literally just got it yesterday. Um, so I thought it was fitting to wear for the pod and, um, you know, to be able to promote the community and everything they're working on, as long as it has something to do with uh, reserve, like I want to help promote that. I want to help promote the community because I know if we can collectively grow and have like this ecosystem, so to speak, to for new people to come into and see, they're gonna come in and be like, oh, wow, this is dope. Like there's a podcast about reserve. I don't know how many other coins have their own podcast about them. Uh, we have like our own like community created store, you know, with it. And I saw like you were collaborating with some people in the discord, like of like making different designs and, you know, kind of doing that. So it's like, all very collaborative and 
you know, we've got, you know, Sinner on Twitter doing that. She's very in touch with everything. Like, I think she was the first person in the Discord to post, like, everybody's getting 10 invites. Like, that's incredible. Like, and that came from, you know, the community that she has created on Dis or on uh, Twitter, rather, in that, like, connection with uh, Vortex down in Venezuela and all that. So, you know, I, you know, kind of like that same feeling I had in seventh grade when, you know, 9-11 happened. It's like, I want to help, you know. I had that thought of like, you know, I'm not so busy in my life to where I can't help support this project in some way. You know, the the project has helped me gain financially significantly so far, you know, even with it being down to the prices that it's at, like I'm still up significantly. So it's, for me, like this was my way to give back. This is my way to support the community. And, you know, whether it's, you know, people posting content on Twitter or YouTube or with the podcast or the store, or if, you know, people are creating like reserve memes, like graphic design and all that's not my jam. But if somebody's creating that content, like I'm more than happy to support it. Like I'm more than happy to help promote it because ultimately when reserve starts to actually market, like there's some official marketing going on they're going to come in they're already going to see like this massive ecosystem and when they come into the reserve uh discord or you know what we have going on there and they see that it's overwhelmingly positive and we're open to all these other opinions like you know the you know the altcoin channel in the discord has been absolutely incredible for me and i'm sure for you and for anybody that's you know really taken that on to learn about some of the things that have been talked about in there it's it's been you know insane <laughs> kind of to, to discuss and yeah. um yeah it's uh, it's actually been quite something uh to to kind of hear about all these new coins and and uh and people talking about how the technology works and just learning about the crypto space in general yeah. um has been has been really really informative uh just a quick plug on my store because this is the first uh the podcast first podcast i've had since i i opened my store um uh, I reopened what Fuzzy had shut down. Uh, Fuzzy was very gracious to give me a lot of his um, his designs as well. Um, so that got me a huge base to get it started. Um, but please check it out, erniesreservestore.com. Um, you can find it on my uh, Twitter channel as well, or on my, on my Twitter as well. Um, in terms of altcoins, and you had mentioned, and obviously... Uh, uh, we've gone we've gone quite quite long here, and I'm trying to wrap it up real quickly uh, as soon as possible because I do have to go get groceries before uh, the Euro final, which I would like to watch. Um, so so let let's do about another uh, another uh, five to ten minutes here. But I do, okay. there are some other things I want to cover um, right. in terms of altcoins, uh, and you had talked about perhaps someday going along that fuzzy strategy of being able to make enough passive income in order to just uh, RV across the United States. Um, do you have a plan or some coins that you think will get you there? Uh, so right now, you know, I, I mean, compared to fuzzy, I'm very much in the infancy of it, but um, you know, a couple of the projects that, you know, I, I think a lot of us are invested in, in some manner or another is a uh, strong creating strong nodes, which I, <laughs> it's done much better than I expected. <laughs> like it when at the time I created my strong node, it was, it was a matter of like, okay, I just want to diversify kind of what I got going on and, you know, have different 
pokers in the fire for crypto, you know, so I was invested in blockchain stocks, I was invested in different cryptos, I had staking going on. And now I was like, yeah, let's create a node. That's like, you know, one box that I haven't ticked. And, you know, I, I think next is creating a mining setup of some sort. Um, so I got that. Uh, another one, again, this came from you was a uh, VRA Veracity. We've got incredible staking going on right now at 25.5%. So you're making 0.07% daily or 0.7%. I can't remember what it was. But it, it, you know, when you look at the price of the coin and the potential of it and where it's going, and you look at, you know, how many you're getting and the potential price of it, you're like, oh, this could be hundreds of dollars that I'm earning daily passively, you know. So I just let it sit there and stake. And um <clears throat> so space space 10x and the discord is like just hitting dropping low cap gems all the time so anytime he says something i go look at it real quick see if it seems legit or not and uh you know if it seems pretty good then i'm like all right i'll start dollar dollar cost averaging into things and you know i kind of uh like the the amount i've gained from crypto so far and i didn't i didn't say it before but i haven't put more than 300 dollars a month into crypto uh, since May of last year. And I mean, there was a few months that I put in nothing, you know, and it to see what it's grown into, it's been incredible. And so now like, I've got a little more money to play with. So one of the, the mindsets I had was like, all right, I wanna pick like six low cap coins and I'm just going to throw a thousand dollars at each of them. And I mean, anybody can do this. They can do it at any scale. I chose six coins that had actual projects that had actual, you know, teams you could look up. And I was just like, I'll throw a thousand dollars at them. I just need one of them to a hundred X and it doesn't matter if the other ones go to zero. I'm set, you know, that was kind of my thinking. And, um, you know, so far uh, three of them have done well. The other three have, just kind of move sideways, but that has more to do with the market than the actual project. So for me, like that's kind of my strategy, like my retirement plan. I have the mindset of like, I want to be a millionaire in the next four years. So this is kind of my path to doing that. Um, and it, you know, that thought is never, that thought of like being a millionaire and financial freedom and all that never really seemed plausible before but kind of talking with people in the discord and the things they've been able to create and the, um, the things they've been able to, you know, accomplish it, it, it seemed a lot more plausible, you know, it seems like a lot of them, you know, four years ago, maybe more were in the same position that I'm in where I'm like, you know, I've got my income, I got my bills paid, I've got some extra stuff to invest. And, you know, there's no reason why, you know, as long as crypto keeps going, obviously, um, that that can't grow. So that's kind of my thinking with that, you know, I, I've got decent passive income already uh, with strong nodes and then I've, I've got some things on crypto related. And then my, my fiance works remotely, you know, from just a laptop and internet connection. And I actually talked to Fuzzy about that, you know, would that still be a possibility? And he gave me some tips and it seems like it is. So, you know, we can still, we can do the passive income thing while still generating an income and, uh, you know, all of that seems very, very plausible. So that's really cool. Then that's uh, kind of the the power of of crypto, right? And and the the possibilities and and the life changing experiences that it's opening up for people. And it's not so much 
um, like having the go from like a thousand dollars to a hundred million dollars, uh, obviously that's life changing, but even little ways, um, like if you were just to get a couple thousand dollars a month in passive income that you had to do not much for that changes, that can significantly change somebody's life. Um, Absolutely. Like little, little things, little things are, are incredible. And, um, and, and very excited for where this crypto space will be in, in two to three years. And I think your, um, your projection or, or your goal of becoming a millionaire in four years, I think with the, with the projects that, that we are all investing in, in the discord, um, I think it is definitely a, a very realistic possibility. Obviously nothing is a given. And obviously there's still very high risk in a lot of these projects that we invest in, but I think, um, it's, we're not going to hit on 100% of them. That's almost a guarantee. Uh, but I think that it is a, a very, very much more realistic possibility. Uh, and it's much more realistic than playing Powerball every single every single week. So um, <laughs> yeah, one more thing I want to touch on before we wrap up is your filet fish conspiracy theory. <laughs> I don't even know if it's a conspiracy theory because I had a filet fish the other day and the exact same thing happened to me. So please, for everybody listening out there who didn't read this on the Discord, if you could explain what your filet fish conspiracy theory is. So... <laughs> It was weird because I had never I had never talked about this to anybody else because I didn't know anybody else that was ordering fillet of fish from McDonald's. To be honest, I, their I judgment say, is probably correct. <laughs> I know. I actually say there are two types of people in the world: those who love fillet of fishes and those who have never tried it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably accurate. And uh, so, uh, what, so when I was in high school, I worked in fast food, and one thing I learned is they make a lot of sandwiches and they just kind of let them sit. Uh, and the way to get around that is to order them custom. So like I'll order mine without tartar sauce or, you know, little things like that, or I'll add stuff to it. And, um, you know, I, I got to the point where I, I wanted something a little less, like that made me feel a little less disgusting than like burgers and fries. So I was like, you know, we'll try the filet of fish. And, I remember opening the like little container they give you the little box and like seeing like the cheese was like hanging off the side. <laughs> I'm like, oh, kind of weird. And like I take off the bun and I look at it and I realize it's not even a full slice of cheese. It's like half a slice of cheese. And they put it to the side to where it looks like it's fully covered, but it's not. And like, I was like, that's weird. Like, I mean, I know these are like minimum wage workers and they just are trying to crank these things out fast. And, you know, I'm the guy that made them have to make it custom order. So it's like fresher or whatever. And uh, so maybe they're like th throwing it together, but like a couple more times I ordered it and it's the same thing. Like the cheese is not a full slice of cheese and they just kind of move it forward to where it doesn't cover the whole thing, but it looks like from the front view of it, it kind of has that same image as like the one you see in the commercial where it's like dripping cheese, you know, that's kind of the thing, you know, like part of the advertising making the cheese look delicious. So my conspiracy is that uh, McDonald's is out here trying to save money on the, uh, the old cheese industry, you know, trying to cut costs there and yeah, that's uh, that's really it. <laughs> I, I think I think that's got to be true. I don't, like now that I look back on it, and I ordered a filet fish last weekend. Now that I look back on it, I don't think I've ever had a filet fish in which the cheese was actually centered. So, so like at some point, it has to stop being a coincidence. It's got to be some type of training that they've done on purpose. <laughs> yeah. And the cheese has never been a full size piece of cheese. 
<laughs> yeah, it's it's wild to me. Like, cause I remember you you asked about it in the Discord. I was like, I guess I need to go get a fillet of fish for lunch. And I went over there. Uh, there's a, a McDonald's right across the street from where I work. So I went over there, grabbed it, snapped the picture real quick. I was like, they got me. They got me. You know, they're they're cutting me short on the cheese. <laughs> it's, yeah, uh, yeah, I 100% agree. For those of you guys listening out there, if you do order fillet of fishes, and please, if you have never tried it please order one and have it. Um, it's kind of like what I say with, uh, with the reserve white paper, um, you're going to knock the project, but if you, if you read it, there's no way you can invest in it. Same thing with filet fish you may knock the filet fish I don't know if it's real fish. It probably isn't, but if you've had one, chances are you probably like them. So please go try one out and please, please, please let us know if that cheese is centered, because I do not believe they actually send them and I think they do it on purpose. And I think Tim has, is onto something. So he is on to you, McDonald's. Cracking the code, cracking the yeah, code. Yeah, definitely. Need to get Alex Jones in here. <laughs> hey, big fast foods out here trying to cut us short on the cheese. Us Americans, we love our cheese. Yeah. North Americans, we need our cheese. We need our dairy intake. Yeah, I love that. That's actually an absolutely fantastic um, impression you did of holy smokes. Uh, you've got you've got quite the gift there. Uh, but anyways, before we wrap up this podcast, I want to ask you a couple of questions that I do ask every single um, guest that I have on. Uh, what is your best piece of advice that you've ever received? So this was, um, uh, there was uh, this comedian who turned into like a, a motivational speaker. And I happen to love what his, his stupid jokes as a comedian. And he just had like really weird off the wall things, but his name's Kyle Cease. Um, so I remember listening to him and then uh, kind of fell off, didn't know what happened to him. One day I decided to look him up, but he, he turned into like kind of like a motivational speaker, personal development kind of guy. And um, one of the things in his story he talked about was watching like this movie where he was like at a really low point. And I think it was a Nicolas Cage movie. And I mean, reserve the judgment on whatever you feel about that. But in one of the movies uh, that he was in, one of the characters says, um, was talking about a breakup and how he still was like in love with this girl, even though this girl crushed him. And they asked him like, how can you still, you know, be in love with this girl, even though she, you know, absolutely destroyed you. And then he says, you are what you love, not what loves you. And to me, that kind of was like a perspective shift. You know, it's like who you are as a person is the things that you love, the things that you enjoy, the things that get you excited. You know, it's like for me, like talking about crypto and learning about that, it's been something that's gotten me excited and I've really enjoyed learning about and being a part of for the last year. So that's, you know, I, I've applied that to everything. You know, that's part of the reason why I came up with the name Timsy Footballer. It's like, I love soccer. I love, I love playing. I love watching, playing FIFA, all that. So, you know, that, that was uh, the quote that stuck with me. And like, I try and share that with everybody, you know, it's, you are what you love, not what loves you. Like you shouldn't be trying to change who you are as a person to get people to like and love you you should just focus on the things you love and let that fuel you to live a more fulfilling life totally and 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 focus on things that you can control right rather than things that you can't um definitely great advice there uh what is the best book you've ever read um there's been a few but the one that i think kind of clicks into my head on the daily is uh, the four agreements. 
And I couldn't tell you exactly what the four agreements were. Like they're, they're very specific in what they are, but the, they're along that same line of like, um, you know, you are what you love, not what loves you. I know one of the things that they talk about is like, don't take things personally. You know, and one of the things they talk about is when somebody says something to you or does something to you that, you know, you didn't like or whatever, that is more of a reflection to do with them and what they're going, what they're going through than um, what, than anything you do. So, you know, when it has been very impactful with uh, my relationships and like thinking like, you know, if somebody's angry with me and all that, you know, like acknowledging like, okay, they're angry and, and being able to like talk to them and like trying to connect like, oh, they've got something going on and, you know, peeling back those layers and understanding because, you know, it, not everything's what it seems on the, on the face level, you know, it's, you got to, kind of pick things away and see what else is behind, going on behind the uh, behind the curtain so to speak so uh, that that book I mean I've listened to it a few times and read through it a few times and every time I get something new from it and uh, funny enough I actually heard Joe Rogan say that he read it about a year ago I'm like okay all right yeah this old Joe Rogan simultaneous thing seems to be coming up in my life quite a bit so <laughs> it was it was interesting to hear him say that as well and, and I do agree with, uh, with what you said about books. A lot of times uh, we may come across reading a lot of books and, and can't quite remember exactly what they said, but I think the, the value is in the mindset and, and, and the change of perspectives that you do get. Um, and, and those things stick with you, regardless of whether or not you remember the exact uh, content in there, it's, it's your mindset shift and your perspective shift that, that is really what is valuable. Um, and the last question I've got for you before we wrap this up, is what is your price prediction for end of year 2021 for RSR? <laughs> um, I, I think I, I, I think um, mm, I really wanted to just come on here and say dollar, you know, just to just to go against your your prediction. <laughs> but uh, I, I think I'm gonna go with 65 cents by. I'll say that'll be the high by the end of the year, 65 cents. Awesome. That, I mean, I would be more than happy to be wrong and I would be very, very happy if it was 65 cents. Um, <laughs> Tim, I want to thank you for, for coming on the podcast. Uh, for those of you guys listening, you can follow him on Twitter at Tim Z footballer. Um, you can actually probably find that in the show notes here. It'll just say um, Tim C footballer. So you can Google that on, on, on Twitter. You can find him in, in the RSR Rangers discord. Uh, always, always talking, um, always sharing information, asking questions, um, being a part of the community. Um, and you can probably find him uh, posting on the, on the telegram as well. Cause I see that he does post the, the daily Ranger tasks on, on the lodge and the, the official telegram. Um, so please, if you do come across him uh, and you love this podcast, let him know, um, tell him you said, hi, uh, I want to thank you so much for coming on the pod. And it was an absolute pleasure. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. I had fun. <laughs> I hope you're able to get lots of value from this podcast and as always, if you're interested in reaching out to me, you can contact me on Twitter at my personal account at RSR Ernie or the podcast account at InReservePod. And if you don't have Twitter, you can shoot me an email at InReservePodcast at gmail.com or feel free to join our RSR Rangers Discord channel uh, in the invite link attached in the show notes below.
Thank you for listening, and I hope to see you on the next podcast.